Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission, to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast. Today, guys, we have an unbelievable guest that I've managed to to pull from his busy life to come and, and and instill some wisdom in all of you guys. The New York Times best-selling author, the, the man who has, has been a top leadership coach for years and years, Mr. Robin Sharma. Welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, Frankie. I just wanted because we're so uh, short on time in terms of getting everything I want to get in today packed into this, I want to keep that intro nice and sh- uh, short and sharp. But good. obviously, you've had many, be- um, obviously, the 5 a.m. club and, and the monk who sold, the fr- sold his Ferrari are, are your top books. But before we talk about your book today, um, but you know, one, one of the things that I noticed about you as, as an author is obviously you weren't originally an author, you're originally uh, a, high, a high level lawyer. Um, and I just wanted to kind of understand how you went from being a lawyer into into wanting to become an author, and and, and how that kind of transition happened in the initial period. Sure, you know I think as I say in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, instinct is more powerful than intellect. And I think one of the mistakes we often make as human beings is we don't trust that silent, powerful whisper within us that suggests where we need to go to find our greatest happiness, our greatest success, and our greatest impact. And so my intellect suggested, you know, get a great education in my 20s, become a lawyer. It's the route to, you know, a good life. And so I did all of those things. I became a successful lawyer and I had a beautiful car and I lived in a beautiful place and I followed all the suggestions that society sells us for a a happy, successful life, but I felt tremendously empty. And so I would say, Frankie, what's the point of being a a success, but losing your soul in the process? I think that one of the greatest crimes we can commit is the crime of self-betrayal. And I think true leadership and true heroism, and that's why the new book is the Everyday Hero Manifesto. I think everyday heroes do one thing really, really well. They block out the noise so they can listen to the signal. They get really, really quiet, and then they have the confidence and the bravery to follow where, where their their deepest and highest sense wants wisdom wants them to be. And so, I become this lawyer. I I really felt like a very empty person, and so I started to follow where I where I was being led. And uh, I started reading books about successful people, the great women and men of the world. I started experimenting with different modalities from meditation to journaling to acupuncture to energy healing to, you know, all these different things. And over a period of time, I made a very profound transformation, not only in my mindset, but what I call in my work, my heart set, my health set, my soul set. And of course, as you rewire and restructure your interior core, then everything you touch reflects your next level of heroism. And so I I started this process of changing my life. I self-published a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. People laughed at the title. No one gave me much of a chance. Uh, I faced a lot of criticism, but very interestingly, I think... um, Someone once said, synchronicities is the universe's way of remaining anonymous. And all this synchronicity started to speed up and the monk who sold his Ferrari became this word of mouth phenomenon. And it led me down this different path. Yeah, I love that because I I remember when I was reading um, into your backstory, obviously you were at a bookstore as well, weren't you? And it just so happened that you crossed paths with a, a top 
a, a top agent of a publisher that, that went and took that book from a self-published book and then published it as a as a, as a publishing title. So it's, just, it's it there 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 are things in life that kind of synchronize that allow you to to go to that next step because obviously there, there is a path that there there is a path that you know some people get dragged down, but there's there's a soul path as well, like what you're meant to actually bring to the world. Oh, absolutely, and I think you know. Some people might say, well, this sounds very metaphysical, and, and maybe it is. And I would say for any heavyweight entrepreneur, you look at the best of the best. I mean, Steve Jobs didn't do focus groups. He said, here's what I think people want. I'm going to make something beautiful, and I'm going to send it out into the world. And I think when we push magic, like authentic, honest magic out into the world through our products and our services and our way of being, I mean, people reply to it, and the world replies to it. I think I think it's beautiful as well when you can when you can push that magic from the type of for, for, under your own under your own name. I mean, there's a lot of people that go out as as brands, uh, you know, hide behind a brand name. But the, the the way obviously you're doing it in life, and the way that I'm doing it in life, and the way that we're bringing our magic to the world is we're we're bringing it with our own personal name, and then that you know people people want to invest in you because you're providing them value on, on the on the back end of that. I suppose I suppose my my, my 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 next question for you really is is like what what why why this book I mean you spent six, 16 months writing it you were in deep deep in you took yourself away during covid you put yourself into the into the into the tunnel and just wrote this wrote this book I mean and, and I know from listening to so many you've been on so many different interviews about this book and the other books and I, I I know there's so much purpose in this one for you on a personal level give me a bit of an insight into into why well, I, I started, I took a little break after writing the 5am club. And then I started writing this, this new book, the Everyday Hero Manifesto in February of 2020 in Tribeca, before the world got into this pandemic. And right, and then essentially a month later, the world completely changed. And, you know, all this suffering and challenge was visited on, on us collectively on the planet. And uh, so, you know, I, I usually travel a lot and I was essentially grounded to my home and with my family. And so what I did was I used the quietude and I used the space to basically articulate the methodology that I've taught to billionaires and sports superstars and members of royalty for over a quarter of a century. And I clarified this methodology and how to create exponential productivity, how to be much happier, how to have a greater impact, how to build a great company, how to live a soaring life and push your magic into the world. And that's really what the book is all about. It has these frameworks like the troll deconstruction, the pyramid of peak productivity, uh, and and I just I just went very deep. Like you say, it's a very personal book. I shared a lot of my trials that I've never never shared before. There's one chapter in the book which is that time ten years of my journals vanish, and um, you know I, I share a lot of my struggles in the book and how to overcome them and how to use adversity as fuel for greater creativity and productivity and and a better life. And I rewrote the book probably over 20 times because I just wanted to, you know, I had these 16 months in the pandemic and I just wanted to get every word right. And I wanted to make it uh, the best book, hopefully the best book I've ever done to be of service to as many people as possible in this time where so many people are struggling, so many people are uncertain, so many people are scared, so many people in business are contracted, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're so worried about everything versus going out there and seeing this as a time to really shine a light in the darkness and add a lot of value to even more people. I love that. What, what do you find? Obviously you've been, you've been around these people for, for, for over 10 years now and obviously coaching at a high level and working with these kind of people getting in their mind. What, what do you find is like the key thing that stops people from, 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 from obviously getting, getting past that point, you know, that people hit that, hit that wall and they just can't seem to push through it. What, what, what is, what are those critical things that people are really struggling with to move through, to take them to that next level? Well, I think uh, there's a lot we can get into on that. I could get into uh, the programming that we receive from, uh, from, our, our parents and teachers and peers and then through media 
that essentially causes us to forget who we truly are. I think there are no extra people on the planet. I think every single one of us has has gifts and talents. That's why the book is called The Everyday Hero Manifesto. It's not only the Mother Traces, Nelson Mandela's, Aristotle Onassis's, Hedy Lamar's that are the heroes, right? Those are the famous heroes. And those, those are people who launched movements in many ways and should be celebrated for their impact. And, and you know, showing what's possible for, for people to achieve. Having said that, what about the single mother or father who gets up at 3.30 and gets on a bus to go to work every day? What about the, the baker who rises early and um, no pun intended and rises <laughs> rises early to create incredible uh, food at their at their little shop? What about the taxi driver who does their work like Picasso painted? What about the painter who is, who is toiling in anonymity but believes in their work even though they're being laughed at every day but they're still staying staying true to their vision? And so I think that's really every one of us has the opportunity for heroism. But what happens is we receive this messaging, we receive this programming. It's almost like a, a brainwashing and a heart washing. And over time, we forget who we truly are. So that's one reason we get blocked. We forget who we are. We, we tell ourselves a story. We run a narrative. And any good positive psychologist will tell you our daily actions are aligned with our deepest beliefs. And I'll repeat that again because it's so important. Our daily actions always represent our deepest beliefs. So you can watch someone's daily behavior and tell the stories and programming they're running. And they might fight you, right? They might be running a victim story and they might fight you because if we repeat our story long enough, we actually believe it's true. Of course we do. And then we keep on repeating the same daily habits and rituals and behaviors. And then we, we shrink from our greatness and we forget who we truly are. And then we pedestal these great entrepreneurs and these great heroes and these great musicians and these great movement makers as somehow cut from a different cloth when they're just doing different things. So I think that's one thing. I think another thing is all of us fail and it's the story we tell ourselves when we stumble that determines whether we're going to use the failure as fuel and the trials to strengthen or whether we're going to stay in pain and say, life is hard. I don't feel safe in the world and I'm never going to produce anything and I'm never going to rise and I'm never going to start that business or write that book or find that true love because reaching and risk just hurts too much. So I think that's the second reason we stay blocked. And I think the third, a third reason, and this is a big one, is nothing fails like success. So I know a lot of your followers from around the world are very successful, but nothing fails like success, as one of my, my clients once told me. And what that really means is, you know, it's hard to get to world class, but what makes legendary is you sustain world class. And there's actually a whole chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto called the Titan's Decline. That, that's a model I've taught to many of the most successful business people in the world that explains how great companies fall from grace and great people lose that winning formula. And I'd simply say that as you get more successful, you become more vulnerable because it's very easy to become arrogant. It's very easy because you're the most successful person you know. It's easy to say, I'm going to retire. It's easy to start coasting. It's easy to stop getting up at 5 a.m. It's easy to, to lose that white belt mentality, which inspires you to keep learning and innovating. It's just easy to start coasting. And that's the beginning of the end. In, in my head, I was, I was every, in everything you said and every point that you touched on there, I was, I was hearing in my head, self-belief, self-belief, self-belief. Cause it, cause it, cause that is kind of something, something that you can instill within yourself to push yourself through these, through these points in time that you, you just talked about there, you know, really, really, really working on that. Can, I, don't, I don't know if you can, you can touch on this from your point of view, but in, in your role as a, as a leadership coach and all that stuff, do you, do you believe, cause I, I personally believe this, but I believe there's a difference between confidence and self-belief. I just wanted to get caught. I believe like from, 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 from being in the boxing gym in the early days, I learned from a trainer that confidence can be shattered because that's that's exterior and self-belief is instilled within. And I wonder if you could I wonder if you could talk into that from your perspective and give me a bit of an insight into what you believe the differences are between self-belief and confidence. You know, that's a, that's an outstanding question and, and insight. 
Personally, I, I don't, I don't, I, I've never thought deeply about it. So I'm just giving you a quick and honest answer, but I think self-belief and confidence are the same to me, but then there's the cockiness that becomes arrogance. And I think, you know, I, th and I think, I think, um, confidence and self-belief are absolutely important because any great movement maker must believe in themselves when no no one believes in themselves right like every great vision every great visionary was initially ridiculed before they were revered and so any dis right any disruptive idea is going to be called crazy any mighty mission is going to be laughed at when you say i'm going to run a marathon i'm going to start a great business i'm going to get super fit i'm going to build a an economic fortune i'm going to find the love of my life all those kinds of things are so disruptive to the status quo that are often card there's too many good souls that are card carrying members of the cult of mediocrity and they just let that happen so the, i think the dream, cult of mediocrity right? yeah yeah, and and you know, essentially the everyday hero manifesto is it's an instruction manual to avoid average, and it has like it has philosophy and it has methodology and it it just shares how to get out of those traps and snares that keep us small, you know, because I think the world needs us to shine our light. The world needs us to produce beautiful things. The world needs us to be honorable and brave and loving and decent. And a lot of us don't know how to do that in terms of the tools. Like, where do we start? But I would say, I would say, you know, arrogance, arrogance is, it, it's just such a snare for people, right? It's just such a snare. Yeah. I, I think, I think that we can all get, we can all get trapped at certain points in our lives where we have to kind of have a word because essentially everyone's got, everyone has an ego. We, we just need to learn how to how to manage it and harness it in the right in the right light so we can actually deploy it to best serve the world because i think that that that's something that i've i've struggled with in the past when it's got on top of me and i've had to bring it into line and bring it into coherence with what i want to actually bring how i want to actually bring value because unless you do that robin you can't really give give any give any uh kind of service to the world at a higher level and it kind of it kind of it kind of builds a barrier between you and people absolutely like you know again to this point about you've got to believe in you when no one else believes in you and, and and then people are saying well i know that's important how do i do it and i just want to be tactical if i may what works really well for me is i journal i mean even before i got on here but you know there's my journal and sometimes as part of my morning routine i just write one paragraph about the man i want to become be today one paragraph about and and habit researchers would call that a pre-commitment strategy so that's one tool right a pair a one paragraph statement about who you what you want to stand for this day and and do it do it in the quietude of the morning while the rest of the world is asleep you know obviously i'm going to say join the 5 5 a.m club because that gives you that one one hour victory hour in that book i call it the victory hour and anyone who's interested in rising at 5 a.m can read read the 5 a.m club and learn the 2020 20 formula but just a tactic to build that confidence you're speaking about or that self-faith is write about who you want to become because what you write about about starts to restructure that self-story number two meditation is really powerful and for any one of the titans and heavyweights who listens to you who might discount that well then read the science you know study the science on on meditation you know and and look at the pharmacy of mastery it creates within you and, and the neurochemicals yeah. that it releases so meditation is very 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 powerful and it does allow you to strip out all the the messiness in the world so you hear the signal third thing i would say to build um heroic levels of self-faith is to strip out the energy vampires and the dream stealers from your life. You can change the world or you can be surrounded by naysayers who just don't get you. You can't do both. So that's number three. Clean up your orbit and your your ecosystem. What I call in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, your ecosystem. Fourth thing, read about the great women and men of the world. This morning when I was on my elliptical, I watched a 25-minute documentary on YouTube about Aristotle Onassis. 
And it was just fascinating. You know, the innovations. He, he created the biggest super tanker in the world. He, he, he saw where the industry was going and he was very prescient and then he responded to it. He, 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 no one believed in him, but he saw opportunities and then created this, this life, you know, and, and this, and this impact. So read about the great women and men of the world, because when you read a book, it's like, it's having a conversation with the author. And the more you time you spend with people whose lives you want to be living, the more their stardust will rub off on you. I think, and like you say, it's, that's something that's very transferable. I mean, it's funny that you said about meditation because I, I do a lot of meditation and a lot of breath work as well. And, and it's like, even earlier, I went, I went, but a couple of hours before I got on this interview with you, I went for a walk and I, and I, for 25 minutes, I breathed, I breathed into how I wanted this interview to go, how I wanted it to flow, how, how I wanted to turn up and how I was going to bring value to the audience with, with, with getting you on the, and, you know, and value to you and value to the audience from having this conversation. And when you, when you set that intention and you put it into, into, into the world that you're going to turn up and, and, and put out this great piece of content that's going to help people have a shift in their life. That's what. That's when you can really start to, to. When you get on. When you get on an interview like this, you can really start to feel that coming through because you've set the clear intention of what you want to achieve from it, so that people can get something out of it for themselves. Absolutely, I think. I think the universe has an incredibly fair accounting system, and someone once said, "You can preach a better sermon with your actions versus your words." And so you're right when you have these intentions to be of service, an instrument of service. The world replies, people feel it. People feel your honesty. People feel you want to be helpful. I know you have so many entrepreneurs who follow you. Is this value for a business builder? Absolutely. If your intention is to serve, if your intention is to help people live great lives, if your if your intention is to deliver massive amounts of value to the people who are your customers well then your products are going to reflect that intention the way you treat them will reflect that intention your branding will reflect that intention everything about your organization will reflect that intention and i think that leads to another point which is there's a real tendency in this world to be, to make it okay to push mediocrity, but as I say in the book, it's it's much wiser, I believe, to push one masterwork versus a thousand mediocrities. And I think it's very easy to put out lots of content or lots of material or many apps versus taking having the intention spent, having the patience to stay with one project day after day month after month maybe even year after year until you have your sistine chapel ceiling that you put out to the world right and then you know if you take the time to push magic the world is going to for generations they're going to come to the sistine chapel and look up at it or see that mona lisa or you know look at that michelangelo's david but i think we live in a world where we, we feel pressured to push out lots of things and we feel pressured to move on to the next shiny toy versus isolating ourselves and doing the work that stands the test of time and that becomes monuments to our mastery and testimonies to the possibilities that that we want our lives to be uh, and that is so powerful because i think that with 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 obviously with Gary Vaynerchuk and all these types of people on Instagram with everything that they're trying to trying to push and I understand why they're trying to push it they want people to try lots of things and do lots of things but it's it's, it's similar to the way that the, the way that you you write in terms of how you approach writing and how I approach podcasting we're singularly focused on becoming the best at our art and our craft and we put our time and our souls and our, our everything into it so that sort of and and you can tell when we speak about it that we, we we both love it and we're not we're not trying we're not trying to we're not trying to be a tv presenter because that's not that's not that's not what we set our mission on and it's kind of like what you said at this at this uh, a few moments ago was 
at the start of your at the start of your day you write a paragraph to to clarify what you want to be and how you want to turn up that day and i tell people robin that that people should write clearly in the journal on one side of the page who they are and on the other side of the page who they want to be and by doing that and being radically honest with yourself you can see the incongruence with how you're turning up compared to how you want to be in the world and you can put that stuff right i mean is there any other ways that people can really set out to to get to get to that what is that one thing that they should be doing how how can how do you feel that people can really set that intention well are are, are you asking what's the one thing people should do to get to their next level of world class yeah yeah in 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 essence yes in terms of like obviously like for me i i know podcasting is 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 my is my thing that i'm going to put my heart and my soul into obviously for you it's it's author a lot of people out there are looking for that thing and they're distracted by all these noisy things that you say all these new things that are flashing in their face all the time and they just want they just they just want to be able to rein themselves in and and, and get and gain that focus and clarity and is there is there any tools or frameworks you can give them to do that yeah, I don't. I don't think there is one thing. I think, I think if if you're if the question is how can we strip out all the complexity so we get monomaniacally focused on our mighty mission, I mean, that's exactly what the Everyday Hero Manifesto is all about. It, it's full of the tools and the frameworks and the philosophies of the world's most successful people. But if you want some tactics, because the, this world right now, it's like all about the tactics. And one thing I'd love to say is methodology without philosophy is an empty victory. Our world is obsessed right now with routines and tactics and where do I start? And those things are very important. And I share a lot of those in the book. Having said that, your philosophy determines which mountaintop you climb. And so if you don't know your philosophy and you haven't clarified what's most important, what's your mission, what are your values, what do you want to stand for, what are your truths, then you're going to be really busy doing the wrong things. And Peter Drucker, the great management guru, said, there is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. And Confucius said, person who chases two rabbits catches neither. But let's get to the tactics. How do you strip away those things? Uh, the, the noise in this world of ours? I'd say number one, there's a, a tactic I call the tight bubble of total focus. Right now I'm in a writing room. No one can get to me. Not many people even know where I am. There's very few devices. I'm not someone who has notifications on. I get lost very often and I have a series of work labs that I call my tight bubble of total focus. And when I go in there, and this is another idea from the Everyday Hero Manifesto, I run the five, the five great hour rule. I don't think anyone needs to work more than five hours every day, especially if you, if you have an entrepreneurial life, because the key is not how many hours you work. I do not subscribe to hustle and grind. The science confirms that leads to burnout and depletion and you're, you're not your best work. The heroic producers work intensely and fiery when they work, and then they go out and get a massage and sunbathe and, and mountain bike ride. So <laughs> it sounds like my tactic, life. find your right so f- find your tight bubble of total focus a place where you can go to do real work versus fake work get rid of the notifications don't check your digital devices you know just be ser- like be a serious producer and work for 5 hours i've got these little clocks they are incredibly important, valuable. I'm not, I obviously I have no relationship with the company, but they're brawn clocks, and they they trans they've transformed my life. And I just set basically five hours, and I work with the clock to get real work done. And then after that, I recover. It's what I call the twin cycles of elite performance. I work for five hours. That's the high excellence cycle. Then I go into the deep recovery cycle, which is lunch with my family you know, walking in nature, reading, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first tool. Second tool to get real work done would be be a minimalist versus a maximalist. Don't have 50 friends, have three amazing friends. Don't read 100 books, master two books this year. Don't accept 1,000 projects, accept one project that that you will – Harness all of your resources on so you produce the finest work of your life. So that would be the second thing. Be a minimalist. Do few things really, really well. 
number three, I would say use news and social media as your servant, not as your master. So you might actually schedule certain times every two or three days to check your feed to produce value, etc. But obviously, you know, an addiction to distraction is the death of your creative production. And there are a lot of people who are very hooked to their devices, and it's causing them to betray their genius and not really have great lives. Yeah, because once once you get hooked on a device, you become a consumer of content rather than uh, you know, someone who authors content, who puts content out into the world, who tries to think of value, like you say. One, one, one thing that I wanted to just clarify with you: when when you're talking about five hours, do you just do five hours of straight work, or do you do not that into two and a half hour blocks, or is is that just like you start the clock and you just work for five hours? Yeah, so I run my life on, I have a written schedule. There's a chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto where I explain my planning process. It's called a weekly design system. They can actually click on, a, find a link for, in that chapter and download a video and my actual worksheet. But in a nutshell, I, I, I build my seven days of my week with themes. So I've got operation days and I've got creative days and I've got my play days. And so on the operation days, that's when I do calls with my team and, and deal with suppliers, etc. On my creative days, often Tuesdays and Thursdays, I run the five great hours rule. And it's not, it's not broken because the, the whole idea behind it, Frankie, is it often takes us two weeks to get five hours of world-class work done. So you don't want to break it. And, and this could be hopefully very helpful to all your viewers, but I'm also in fasted state and I'm not giving any medical advice, but I, I fast a lot because then I don't have, you, you train yourself. Like, I mean, eating breakfast and I'm going to get a snack and I'm going to get lunch. For me, when I'm in you know, creative mode, it takes up a lot of time. And also I found it fascinating that when you're in fasted state, your brain releases brain derived neurotrophic factor, which optimizes your brain. And that's why I think a lot of, isn't that interesting? A lot. That's why I think a lot of the great religious figures and spiritual masters and a lot of the great creative people, they fasted. And I realized that's the science behind it, brain derived neurotrophic factor, and probably a release of dopamine as well. But it's five hours uninterrupted. I set, I'm working on a real project. I'm not doing phone calls. I'm in fasted state. I, you know, I'll have a cup of coffee or two, which is a great antioxidant and cognitive enhancer. And I listen to country music often because I'm just really into country music these days. How, how do you, how do you, how do you find the, the, the managing your use of coffee, right? Because I, <laughs> I know it sounds a bit of a weird question, but I, I've, I've recently been off caffeine now for 40 days. I took, I took it out of my life because I found that, that, you know, I was tr trying to do the work in terms of like the five hours or the three or four hours, like you, like, you, like what you said. But, but in order to keep me there, I just need to energy drink. I just need coffee. I mean, how are you, how are you, how do you ma even manage the, 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 the caffeine without getting addicted to it? Like, like I did. Uh, that, that's a really interesting question. Um, and, and so, so real. I just, I don't know, coffee just, maybe it's, it's, I mean, we all have different constitutions. Coffee, two cups of coffee in the morning works so well for me as a cognitive enhancer. And I just love, I just love the taste and, and I find it a very sacred, you know, simple, basic pleasure, you know. So it's, it's a very joyful thing for me. I don't feel I'm addicted to it. Um, if I have coffee, it's interesting for me if I have coffee in the afternoon. I can't sleep that night, so I'm, I'm really pretty careful about it. But it just it just works well for me. I think exercise is also extraordinary. Morning exercise is a, is a, an absolute game changer for anyone who wants to boost focus, creativity, productivity, peace of mind. And we could go to the neuroscience. Uh, you know, it's so well known. But morning exercise releases dopamine, the inspirational neurotransmitter. Um, I find it very interesting. It releases norepinephrine, which actually boosts focus. That's why after a workout, our brains slow down. You notice that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, and then if, if, releases... if I don't go to the if I don't go to the gym before before I work, then then it seems to me like my work just it just get gets on top of me, and I just I just walk out of the room. Totally. Totally, and it releases, um, it reduces cortisol, 
exercise, it releases oxytocin, it just goes goes on and on. So I, I do that in the morning, that helps me be really focused so I don't need more coffee. I don't, I don't do I don't know if I've ever had an energy drink. I'm not saying I'm so special because I'm not, but I just, um, you know, I, I, I prefer a bit more natural, a bit more natural, like the water and the coffee seem to seem to black coffee seems to work really, really well for me. So, so, yeah. so in regards to your mornings then, essentially you're setting it out, you're, you're getting up at 5 a.m., you're hitting an hour's worth of exercise or a walk or something physical, and then you're, and then from six till, you know, and for five hours you're just locked in and you're, you're all, you've already planned it the day before, so you scheduled it out. You know it's a creative day, not not a, not another type of day. So you know you know you got to you know what you're doing on that creative day. So you've literally planned everything before you've even stepped into the arena. I plan I plan my weeks on Sunday morning, and I create what I call a blue. You know, and I usually don't get into the tactics because most people aren't really interested, but you you clearly are. So you know, it's not the the sexiest thing, but it's I I, I find learning how to plan a week is one of the most important things a human being can do because your your schedule doesn't lie. And a lot of us, we start our weeks like five alarm fires and we, we, we're chasing the week versus running week. And some people often say to me, well, Rob, in a schedule seven days ahead, it, it, kill, it, it, it destroys your spontaneity. And someone once said to me at a live event, Frankie, allow planning to be your springboard so spontaneity can be your splash. And the most relaxed people are the people who have a clear sense of their schedule. They're, then they're running life on their own terms, right? So if you want peace, learn how to schedule. You want to be more spontaneous, build structure and systems into your life. It's not a rigid thing. I think it's a very peaceful thing. So yes, on Sunday morning while my family's asleep, I'll take an hour. I'll have a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, I, I will take this worksheet, like I mentioned, if anyone's interested in it, they can read that chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, download the whole video, no charge whatsoever, get the worksheet. It's incredibly powerful, but essentially it's, it's a big piece of paper, seven days, starts at you know five in the morning, goes till 11 at night, and I just pick, figure out the themes. Tuesdays and Wednesdays are often op operational days for me, and I'll work out with a trainer on those days as well. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I go into isolation. I do a lot of creative work on those days. I'm not available. And then uh, Fridays are often my, you know, I, I refuel. I go to art galleries. I'll, you know, have, have pasta, a pasta lunch with my family. I'll read. But I just, you know, really try to recharge on those days because elite performance without deep recovery, you know, leads to depletion. And, um, yeah, weekends are often about reading and with my family and um nature and and all those kinds of things i hope that sort of explained it yeah no clearly. no, no I, I just wanted to give people an insight from a higher level of how you approach things because i think i think obviously a lot of people are going to go out and buy the book and and, and that's great and they're going to have that but i think it's really really useful even for myself to understand how you're structuring things i want to i like to know how people are are, are thinking about things and operating in terms of how they set themselves up to win obviously you've won at a high level in a lot of areas of life and i'd just love to understand how that how how that's happened it's clear to me that that's that's set from an intention of structure to be able to win at the level that you've won at so i think that's a that's a credit to yourself i think i think another insight i'd, I'd love to get from you is you mentioned that you know, people should master two books. If you're gonna, if you're gonna read books, master two books. So, like, obviously, read and reread and reread. What are the two books then at this moment in time that are kind of really, have you really got your mind into in terms of like, obviously, obviously, your your own's going to be a, one of the two books for a lot of people. But what are the two books that really set your thinking patterns going that you work on? It and, and before I answer that, just to be of service to your audience, I, I want to mention one more thing about scheduling because I think it's so important, which is I don't, I don't just schedule on that seven-day schedule. I don't just schedule work. I actually schedule my morning, my 5 a.m. victory hours. I schedule my family dinners. I schedule my meditation because it, it's, it's just so powerful. It's, and, and I've read some research, what you write actually creates – an impact in the brain and but I, I schedule all of those things not in an obsessive way but I do these blocks where it'll be if I want to you know I'm listening to a really great um, 
meditation of Jack Cornfield. He's, he's an incredible meditation teacher. And so I just, I want to really deepen in it. So twice this week, I'll do the block for that. Um, if there's, you know, I, I really believe in reading. I think it's one of the master skills of true heroes in business and in life. So I'll have reading nights scheduled. I schedule my nature walks and those give me anchors in my day. And then next one, if, if I do them, I don't always do it, but if I have a good day, I'll do a little V with a circle around it. And that's a victory next to the block. So, and you just train yourself to, to close loops and follow through on your self promises. And the more you follow through on your self promises, the more willpower and bravery and self love you're going to have. Two books. Um, and here, here's a book right next to me right now. Kent Nurburn, he's written a book called Simple Truths. Another book that's next to me right now is the Jack Cornfield book I ordered. So that would be another one. Uh, no time like the present. Here's a, here's a book that's been incredibly helpful to me, Melody Beattie, Journey to the Heart. Um, and I read business books and I read, you know, I love, um, there's a great book to read. It's called uh, Mandela's Way. And it's all, it's a very personal book about Nelson Mandela. So that's been a great book for me. Um, I love, I love The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Incredibly powerful and beautiful book. Yeah, those would be some of the, some of the books I go to on a regular basis. And a lot, a lot of those, a lot of the books that you mentioned, especially a few of the end books there are, are a lot of personal how personal people how people are operating personally so i presume that's what that's why you're so interested in them like mandela was a was a great man who operated with empathy and, and and kind of could see things from both sides even though he could have seen things from a persecution point of view and that's probably why you've resonated so much with, with that I, I presume i visited nelson mandela's cell twice and the first time frankie it transformed my life it was a winter's day in july uh, because uh, obviously South Africa is under the equator. And um, I took the ferry over to Robben Island. I was met with a guide. The guide showed me the limestone quarry where Nelson Mandela worked for, I believe, seven years, toiled in the sun, damaged his lungs, damaged his eyes. And they didn't use the rocks that he chipped for anything just to break. It was, it was designed to break his spirit because we all need purpose, but there was no purpose in that. Then the guide took me to the, uh, the courtyard where they would exercise and where Nelson Mandela would act. I think there was a tomato tree and member he and members of the ANC would dig a hole and hide his manuscript of his autobiography, um, long walk to freedom. And then, um, I saw the propaganda office where they would hide letters that from his family. And so he wouldn't receive them again, decide, you know, psychic torture, not hearing from his family. And then the guide walked me into a cell, which was this incredibly tiny cell. There wasn't even a bed in there. There was just a, a cloth mat and a, a table that he'd write on. And, um, you know, and it looked over the, the courtyard. And I asked, it was just like so moving to see where this man spent um, 18 years of the 27 years of confinement. And I asked the, the guide, I said, did you know him? And he said, yes, I served with him for a number of years as a fellow ANC prisoner. And I said, what was Nelson Mandela like? And he said, oh, that man was a humble servant. And I mean, you know, and you're right. When he came out, he invited his, the prosecutor who was pushing for the jail sentence, he invited him to dinner and he invited one of the jailers who, who had kept him in prison to his inauguration and he was asked why would you possibly invite a jailer who, who who kept you in prison and he said because if i didn't i'd still be in prison and so you know prison of the spirit prison of the spirit and so i mean that is the choice we all have like no i that Yes, Nelson Mandela was a great hero and, and titan of humanity, but every one of us, in our own personal way, we can get to show heroism. Like you look at what's going on in the world right now, and, and if you're a feeling person, how could you not feel the suffering that's going on? And I've never seen so much volatility in the world in all of my life. 
And it's very easy to give away your power to what's going on and, you know, follow the news and just, but I think the best things we can do is pay attention to what's going on, you know, so we can protect and pivot and be agile and serve and take good care of our family. But I think it's also important to maintain our hope. And it's important to just say, well, I can't control these events, but I can manage what I call in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, the four interior empires, our mindset, our heart set, our health set, and our soul set. So many pundits in the world right now are talking about mindset is everything. I think it's mindset, which is our psychology, heart set, which is our emotionality, health set, which is our physicality, and soul set, which is our spirituality. And when we learn the tools to optimize those four interior empires, you're right, because the books I'm reading are about within. And when you work within on those four interior empires, you literally start to battle-proof an interior architecture so that your axis of power comes from within versus without. And that's when you shift from victimhood to heroism. You don't get your power from, oh, the, my day was good, the world is good, my business is good, my, the world is okay, so now I feel okay. That's a very vulnerable place to be. You want to be like the great spiritual masters. And this is like obviously a lifetime journey and I'm far from where I want to be, but I'm better than where I was. You want to be in a place where even if the ground from under you completely falls apart. You're at peace. In other words, you're like the great spiritual master say, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And if we can get to that place, then we navigate the world and we're in it and we're functioning at an extraordinarily high level, but our power is not fake power, it's real power. The power, the power comes within you and you don't need to try and get it from external sources. I love it. I, lo I love the way you've articulated that. I, I, I mean, that is just so powerful. So powerful on all different... Like that, as you were speaking it, my, my, my face was just smiling from ear to ear because I, I, felt I felt every piece of that on a personal level. Because like you cannot... This is where most people go wrong. Most people are seeking external things to give them joy, to bring them that contentment. When really that contentment starts within. It starts with the meditation. It starts with knowing who you are. It starts with you know becoming that person that you know you truly can become. And and I think that that's that's such a powerful statement that you've put right there. I know that I know that we're sensitive on time, and I just want to I just want to finish with this one for you because I think this will. This will, um, I, I finished, I ask this question to a lot of my guests because I think it's, I just wanted to get, to get their insights into, into how they would want to leave the world. But if you were going to, if you, if you had to check out the world tomorrow, you couldn't, you couldn't leave anything behind, no books, nothing, but you could just leave, leave, uh, a, a, like a, like a, 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 power, a paragraph, a statement in terms of like how you, a gift that you could of wisdom that you could leave the world what what would that peace and pearl of wisdom be from you from, from from your mouth well the first thing i'd say is i used to believe in legacy you know i wrote a book uh 20 years ago called who will cry when you die it was all about legacy and we hear a lot about legacy these days you know live your life in such a way that you live in the hearts of those you leave behind to paraphrase the words of Joseph Campbell. I write, there's, there's actually a chapter at the end of the Everyday Hero Manifesto, which is forget about your legacy. I think legacy doesn't matter. I think legacy is the sport of the ego. When we're dead, we'll be a pile of ashes in a urn on a mantle above a fireplace next to people's pictures and little league trophies. We're only gonna matter to a few people. So I don't think it matters how you live, what people say about what you and you're dead because you'll be dead. I think what matters is how you live today while you get to be alive. But to answer your question, Frankie, a paragraph of wisdom, I'd say, um, you know, there are no extra people on the planet. I'd say every one of us has honor deep within us. We have bravery deep within us. We have gifts and talents deep within us. We have bravery and love in our hearts. Um, in, a, in a very complex world, a lot of us have put a shell or armor over those gifts. And then we 
we've lost the intimacy with who we truly are. And so, and this is a bit more than a paragraph, but it's like, I think the, the journey of everyday heroism and greatness is you make, you make the journey back day by day for as long as we get to live to remember who we truly are. And I think when you remember who you truly are, your gifts, your talents, your nobility, your love, your hope, that's the victory. And anything else you achieve in the outer world is just gravy. I think, I've, honestly, this I knew, I knew this interview would not disappoint me. I knew it. I had, I, I, honestly, I, honestly, Robin, I just appreciate all your time. Guys, that is, that is, that is Robin Sharma. He, He's, he's, he's written some incredible books. Um, I'm reading, I'm, I've, I've just started the Everyday uh, Everyday Hero Manifesto myself. I think I think you, you guys would be, be wise to go and start it. I mean, it costs like 20 to $30 from any bookstore. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Um, at Robin Sharma on Instagram and anywhere else you'd like people to go to, to see more of your work? Um anyone who wants to go deeper can go to um, the mothership it's uh, robinsharma.com and get on my mailing list and I send videos every two weeks and I send uh, you know a rich stream of value based on everything we've talked about to my mailing list so again robin uh, uh, robinsharma.com and yeah oh and I do a podcast called the mastery sessions they can, anyone should just go to YouTube and search uh, search Robin Sharma, and you'll find all my videos. There's, I think, a few hundred of them, and lots of great value. Hopefully, one day I get an invite on that podcast, Robin. Eh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't do I don't do guests. I just it's just like content. But maybe if I if I if I do an interview show, I, I'd love to I'd love to interview. I, I, I think having the the, the, the two best looking bald fellas in the world on a podcast together. You know, not just this no. one, but you know, on, on others as well would be would be a good thing. I will put the hat on so that we didn't blend in on on the video edit. <laughs> you 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 look you look like my better looking younger brother. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I, hopefully this is just the start of uh, of 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 many many podcasts that we do in the future. So I just want to say again, thank you so much for giving value to the audience and and thanks for your time. It's been an absolute honor. And guys, if you can do me a favor. Um, like, subscribe to whatever you li- on whatever platform you're listening to, Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Send me a message. Send Robin a message. Let us know how that podcast went for you. We'll, we, we'll, we'll try and respond to as many as possible. And share this content if it resonated with you, with as many many of your friends and family and everyone else that you can instill some wisdom in as you can. Um, I'd, love you, I'd love you to carry this message. This podcast is my biggest passion as as the books are for robin so we just we just both appreciate you and uh thank you so much don't forget to subscribe to the frankie lee podcast